What does it mean to be a woman of color? She's gotta be strong because that's just the expectation. Loving herself, but not too much because then she's conceited. Being his lady in the streets, but his freak in the sheets. Inheriting her grandma's love, but always loving the wrong one. Twerking for her man, but not with her friends. Being constantly told she's too much or not enough. The most disrespected person is the black woman. Constantly having to prove she's a victim because society sides with a man. Not being able to express her traumas because she can't show no weakness. <laughs> is constantly told that she's too dark, too thin, too thick. Being murdered, beaten, abused, then questioned if she evoked all of it. Is left out on the street, but becomes the flower that grows from the concrete. Who taught you to hate yourself from the top of your head to the soles of your feet? She marches for everyone else, riots for everyone else, dies for everyone else. She loves everyone else, lives for everyone else. <laughs> but when it comes down to her, it ain't a mother insight. The system as a whole has filled her. You've never been shot. You don't know her pain. Say her name. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Provoking the Conversation podcast. I'm your host. You guys know what it is. Happy Friday. Um, and hope you guys' week went good. Hope everyone's doing well. Praying for everyone's mental health, especially during this crazy time. Just wanted to take a moment and wish you all good wishes. Hopefully you're well. Hopefully your families are well. And um, I would like to start the show with, again, our new segment, Conversation, conversation Starters. And this was a question that I came across. Um, again, I pull a lot of my stuff from social media, you know. Social media, keep pumping out the great content because it always gives people something to talk about. That's one of the great things about it. But um, this question, and this is actually from a friend of mine I went to college with. So shout out to him. And I'm going to tell him that I used this on the podcast. But the question was, and the conversation started for this episode is, with all the issues in America, what would be your first problem you would personally fix? Which, that question was, it was really interesting. It, it, was, it was something that made me think, like, what would I fix first? Because as much as I think America's a great place to live, I really think this country does have some unique opportunities. Um, I do think there's a lot of things um, that could be fixed. Um, and, and I speak that as an overall, like America's a great place to live overall if the, the system or the dream that is sold to people actually is being followed through. Now, for Black people, let me be honest with you, there's better places we can go. There's places like Barbados, there's places like Jamaica. They're not as shiny, but the African-American, or I would just say Black community, is just treated so much better because it's nothing but us there. Um, but anyway, anywho... What would I personally fix? And I challenge you guys to kind of look at this as well when you're sitting in your homes, in your car, because I think what you say here as the answer to this question says a lot about what you think is wrong with America. And I think you can use that if you haven't already voted. Um, most of you probably had due to your mail-in ballots, but next time voting comes around, think about what you personally would change and think about the candidate that's going to work towards that. 
Um, me personally, I would change the infrastructure of how the government works. That's not just because of all this stuff of political. I've always thought because the government's supposed to be the leadership. You know, the government's supposed to be the ones leading us to making sure kind of they're supposed to be our checks and bounds. They're supposed to run the show. We're supposed to trust them to run the show while we give our taxpayer money and do our civil duties. So with that, you know, that's our leadership. No matter how we look at it, no matter if we don't like it, no matter if we don't like Trump or Biden or we don't like Kamala or Pence, it doesn't matter. They're our leadership. One of the two... You know, one of those people, actually two of those people are going to be president and vice president at some point. Doesn't matter. They're still going to be our leadership, no matter if it's Trump or not. So, you know, the people in politics, we can't change who they are. That's who they are. But the infrastructure, if the infrastructure is set a certain way to constantly rotate new leaders or to give good leaders or leaders that have a proven track record um, an able-bodied chance to put more leaders like themselves into those positions, you know, it would be better. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, and I haven't really thought this out, this is kind of off the top of my head. The first thing that comes to my mind is um, the Senate, you know, the House. You know, we have people, we have men in there who are 60, 70, been in the House forever, you know, been part of Congress forever, and never left the seats. We have men in there making decisions for women's bodies. We have people who are n- never stepped in a neighborhood of African-Americans or lived there. Let me just say live in a neighborhood because they could have stepped in there and said hi and left. Um, never lived in a neighborhood with African-Americans. L- let's, let's take race out of it, of poverty, a uh, neighborhood of where, you know, violence reigns um, or places that are just um, a little bit less fortunate. Um, so a lot of these politicians don't understand the real world. A lot of them have never shopped at John Eagle with their last dollar and be like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to pay for my meal. A lot of them don't understand how to live paycheck to paycheck. A lot of them don't know how it feels to be passed over for a promotion when you really need the money. And it's not just a money thing. It's living in basic society. How many of these people live beside regular people? You don't have to deal with regular neighbor problems. What I'm trying to get to here, the, the, pol- the, pol- the politicians or the people in house are very disconnected. And that's not their fault because they've been in politics for so long. You know, Once you get in politics, you kind of become part of a new world. Wouldn't it be great if you changed the infrastructure that not only be full of politicians, you know, career politicians, because we need those type of people. Let's be real. We need career politicians that understand economics, understand the details of how elections and things work, understand the details of, you know, you know, taxes, understand a lot of things that we don't know about. I'm actually reading a book right now um, that kind of teaches you about some of the major issues in politics that we don't know about. And it gives a view of the Democrats and Republicans. And it's showing me, I'm only on page 50, but I don't know jack about politics. I don't even know jack about the issues from climate change and what really is involved. What happens when you actually raise and cut your taxes, um, the reciprocal effects, how economics look at the economy. There's a lot of things average people don't know. And some of you may listen to this like, Sean, you didn't know that? Yeah, okay, I'm not not the brightest bulb in the bunch, but let me be. I have a podcast, just let me be. (laughs) Um, But saying that the infrastructure is purely surly of career politicians. 
why wouldn't we mix community leaders and politicians, people who actually live in the neighborhoods that can give some insight? Why wouldn't we mix, for lack of a better phrase, regular Americans into this? Give them an opportunity um, to go ahead and get into it. Maybe you have to apply for it, pass a program, but you know, Johnny from down the block can maybe go through a program so he can be part of the Senate, um, you know, maybe learn about politics, but Johnny's gonna go in there with a more of a realistic view of what neighborhoods of what neighborhoods look like. So I think that's really, really important, guys. And I think that's part of the problem with leadership. Donald Trump don't know crap about us. Joe Biden don't know crap about us. Even Kamala Harris, to a degree, and Mike Pence, they don't know crap about what we go through every day. They don't know how it is to sit in traffic. <clears throat> they might have experienced it at some point in their lives, but these remember, these are these are older adults. These ain't like 30-year-old and 40-year-old adults. These are people that are far removed from the typical life because they've been politicians for so long. So why do we not have in our leadership people who are more attached to regular life so they can relay the message to those people that are detached? And that would be the first thing I changed. And that's infrastructure. That's kind of splitting it 50-50 or 70-30 or however you want to do it but bringing some type of community input into the leadership of our country and to our communities instead of just electing somebody, but having actually people, you know, represent us that are us. You know, our representatives, they say they're us to a degree, but they're not really. So we need people close to the ground to speak up for us. Because right now, <clears throat> both candidates are just kind of pandering. They're pandering to what they think we want to hear, and they're gone from there. They're not really going for our needs. You know, because a need in some neighborhoods, a need to sally down the street may just be, it may not be, you know, um, taxes. It may not be um, the economy. It may just be like, look, somebody got to do something about these roads because these roads is tripping. And I know what you guys are going to say. Well, we have representatives that we could talk to about that and things like that. But let's be real. At the end of the day, the federal government funding to states is really what runs this country. Yes, we pay state taxes for things like that. Um, but the federal government, if they wanted to, can influence the states. But what I'm trying to get to here, and that may not have been a great example, is that the leadership needs to be diversified. And what I mean by that, part of it needs to be career politicians. Part of it needs to be people who are closer to regular people. And another part of it is race and gender. We need more females. We need more black females. We need black men. We we need Latinos, Mexicans. I'm not going to, you know, all the different races in there. That should be another thing with infrastructure. We should shoot for a certain amount of a certain amount of gender, a certain amount of race in the government to make sure we have some sort of equal balance. Now I know that could backfire, but again, at least it's something. It's kind of like um what I'm thinking about, the Rooney rule. For those who don't know what the Rooney Rule is, it basically makes NFL teams have to interview one minority coach um, when searching for a head coach. It's a way to try to get more minority coaches uh, and personnel and staff, like GMs and things like that, into the NFL because the NFL is predominantly black. So we know that there's some type of problem because a lot of their coaches or head coaches are not black. Same thing here. I'm not saying most of America is black. We know it's not. But there's still that leadership should be diversified, meaning if the America, for an example, I don't know if this is true, is 30 percent black. Why don't we have 30 percent of the leadership be black? Why don't we have, you know, 
Latino leadership? Why don't we have Mexican, like in these type of seats? It, it doesn't really make sense. Some people say, well, these people have to fight. These people should work. There should be more people working towards the be in the Senate. But we all know what the Senate is. Come on. Come on. It's the old boys club. Just like in business and corporations, it's I know you and you know me and I know your son. And your son knows me. And we get on the golf course. It's the old boys club. And not a black guy, a black woman, a Latino woman, they're not going to break into the old boys club. It's, it, it, come on. We, we know what the old boys club is. And that's the problem. The Senate shouldn't be the old boys club. It should be the everybody club because everybody's represented there. That doesn't make sense to me. But I digress. So that's our conversation started for the day, guys. Um, really hope you enjoy. Um, hope you guys had a good week. It's been a long week from, for me, but I'm here. I want to talk to you guys. I got some things to talk about. Something about Ice Cube. Ice Cube the rapper, yes. We'll talk about it. So guys, um, you know, enjoy the show. <laughs> so let's get to it. Um, something that I did want to bring up that I don't know a lot about, but I know it's something that's going on in the world today, um, is SARS. Uh, and I don't know if you guys know about it, but I've been seeing it come across my timeline. So SARS, to, from what I know, I did a little bit of research uh, SARS is something that's affecting Nigeria. So SARS in Nigeria um, is uh, basically a form of the police. And with that, um, there seems to be some dismay in Nigeria about this form of police. I don't know a lot of details. I'm just kind of speaking on it. I just want to say I hope things get resolved. Not SARS the virus. I know there's a virus named SARS. This is something completely different. So I urge you guys to look it up. I didn't get a chance to look into a lot of research before I recorded this episode. So I'm not going to be ignorant and speak on something I don't know about. But I think it's something that we should pay attention to. Um, I'll probably come back next episode and talk a little bit more about it. Well, something I do know about, you guys remember Toy Lanes and Meg Thee Stallion and how Toy Lanes shot her. We, we know about this. We talked about this. In the clip you're gonna you heard at the beginning of this episode, if you're listening on one of our streaming platforms, um, that was Meg the Stallion's um, combination. Um, I would say collaboration with the New York Post to kind of speak out about the life of a black woman. Now, with that going on, which I thought it was a great piece, and I do think we need to honor black women a little bit, not a little bit more, a whole lot more. And I could speak on that point all day, so I'm, I'm not going to really get into that. But I think one, we are going to talk about on this podcast, and I'm going to have a Black woman or multiple Black women get on here. And we're, they're just going to school all you guys about what they go through on a daily basis, because I think it's important that we do have that conversation. And I even think I need to have that conversation, because even me as a Black man, I don't understand. Just because someone sk- shares your skin tone or someone shares your street with you or someone lives in the same neighborhood, does not mean you understand what is actually going on in their lives. So I think we're going to have that, no, we are going to have that conversation one day. But let's talk about Tory Lanez because this, this little dude, this dude is a trip. But anyways, um, Tory Lanez um, was charged. Um, His arraignment was pushed back. So uh, let me read, this is from The Shade Room. An attorney for Tory Lanez has just pushed back his arraignment in the Meg Thee Stallion shooting. 
um, to November 18th. The same day as Megan's um, Fashion Nova launch, we can confirm from his hearing this morning in Los Angeles. Toy made his appearance over the phone via his attorney. So, looks like his bail was set at $190,000 and filed a protection order against Tory. So, it looks like he can't go near Meg the Stallion, which is the right thing to do. And he was charged with three felony charges, including assault with a semi-automatic firearm. Um, again, Toy Lanes was initially arrested in July on a gun possession charge and bonded out. After a Los Angeles Police Department investigation, authorities followed up with additional charges for the alleged shooting of Meg the Stallion in the foot as she exited the SUV they were riding in. And he's looking at a maximum sentence of 22 years. My man, Toy, I don't think it's going to end well for you, bro. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry because you shot a woman. And if you point a gun at a woman, you're a punk. You can point a gun at me. I'm another man all day. But you should point a gun at a woman? See, <laughs> this, this brings us to another point. You, you know what, Toy Lanes, you're going to get what you deserve. You know, justice system. I, I hope the justice system doesn't overdo it on you because you are a black man. Let's be real. You know, maximum sentence is 22 years, but they can easily make that 40 years or to life. Um, and they can easily throw the book at you um, because you are a black man. So I, I do pray you. I do pray for justice for Meg Thee Stallion, and you get what you do deserve. But I don't. I don't think you deserve overkill him. So I hope you get what the law says, and you don't get the book thrown at you. Anyways, that, that kind of made me thought of a point that, dudes, if if you can't handle like a woman who can put words together, because. I mean, she probably said something to him, obviously. Obviously, that's no reason to shoot him. Uh, shoot her, excuse me. But if you can't handle a smart-mouthed woman, just don't deal with them. Me, I already know. I can deal with some smart mouth. I can deal with some attitude. But if it gets to a certain point, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go on my merry way. Because you're not going to push me to shoot you and I'm going to jail. Mm-mm, you ain't worth that. I got too much to do, too much to say. I got a podcast. My viewers be mad at me. I ain't doing it. The guy just, I, I, I'm not going to speak on this point too long. It's just, I hope he gets what he deserves. And men, let me just say something to you guys, because I know not a lot of men listen to this podcast, but hopefully women, you can share this with your men friends and your American Padres, and your husbands, and your boyfriends. If a woman drives you that crazy, just go. Just leave. You're better off. There's no woman in the world worth it. There's nobody worth it. I promise you. I haven't found one yet, and I don't think anybody else has found one yet. There's no woman worth going to jail for. Not in my opinion. If I find her, I'll let y'all know. Matter of fact, I will bring her on the podcast. But until I do, uh uh-uh. Not a zip. It ain't happening. Speaking of women and men having not great ending of relationships, I guess this is just the ending episode or the bad breakup episode. Update on Dr. Dre. So obviously you guys have been around long enough. I've talked about prenups a few times, but Dr. Dre's case, a little bit of backstory. Dr. Dre, the famous musical producer, he was going through a divorce with his wife. 
Now, his wife tried to get some crazy amount of a million dollars in the settlement or whatever. Um, something like that. There's a, bit, a little bit of back and forth. If it was a prenup or not a prenup. Um, and it came to find out that Dr. Dre did not have to pay the original amount that she requested. So I think they're still working it out. But something else came out that I thought was interesting. So Dr. Dre's estranged wife officially under investigation by the LAPD for alleged embezzlement. So, you know, uh, yeah. So it says here that, you know, Nicole, which is the name of his exchange wife, had embezzled funds from the business, um, from the recording business that they had. Um, And it looks like authorities launched an official investigation. According to TMZ, Dre's business partner, Larry Chapman, recently reported a call to, to the police alleging she withdrew hundreds of thousands of dollars from their business account without authorization. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that, that just, that, that's just not good. Uh, it, and it looks like uh, Larry here gave her the chance that he would not go to the authorities if she gave back the money. Doesn't look like she gave back the money. Looks like it was the amount of $385,029. So that's a whole lot of money. I don't know what she was doing with that money, but if it's true, that may explain, she might be a little bit money hungry or might be trying to get what she can on her way out. I know that's not a nice thing to say, but what other reason do you have to embezzle from the same company? Now, I don't know her and Dr. Dre shared this company, but I'm going to assume. So, I mean, what I'm thinking is she probably saw the writing on the wall that Dre was going to leave or they were going to break up. And she was like, well, I'm getting as much money as I can. And people are spiteful like that. Not just women, but it's a man thing, too. I just think it's interesting. Um, I just think it's interesting that all this is coming out now right after the news where Dr. Dre did not have to pay the one, excuse me, the exact number is $1.5 in the divorce. So... I just thought that was interesting. Uh, We'll see how that one turns out. I've been following the Dr. Dre story and this is, this makes me think more about prenups. I know the woman I end up with, I'm going to say prenup to her and she's going to look at me like you want to get punched in the forehead. Don't you? I know that conversation is not going to go well, but I really think both men and women should probably take um, a second look at it. It, there could be different ways to do it. Maybe the prenup's voided after 30 years, you know, or maybe after a certain amount of years, you know, different elements of the prenup get written off it. Like, hey, after 30 years of us being together, you're guaranteed to get at least 30% of what we got. After 40 years, you know, you could put time frames on it almost if you like, because if you make it like 30 years together, 40 years together, at that point, all right, here, you can have half now. You okay. Because think about it, if you meet when you're 20 years old or you meet when you're 30 and you've been together 30, you're 60, 70 years old. At that point, it's like, okay, maybe I'm thinking different. Maybe a 60 or 70 year old would tell me different, but that's just my view there. Some good news, some good news, some good news. Let's let's get off the bad relationship topics and the nasty breakups and ugh, all that stuff. I don't think I can stomach anymore. Coming to America 2 sequels reportedly sold to Amazon Studios for $125 million. 
that's a whole lot of money. Um, if you don't know what 125 million is, um, I can't tell you either because I've never even seen a million, but that's a whole lot of money. Um, but Coming to America, that was definitely one of the more, um, that's a popular movie. And I didn't even know they made Coming to America too. And hold on, let me talk about Amazon for a hot sec. What is what has gotten into Jeff Bezos? Like he is buying everything. He just had Prime Day two days ago. Now he's got coming to America, coming to his studio. Yo, Jeff Bezos, just build a city. Just build Wakanda. Just just build your own version of Wakanda already. I know what you're trying to do. Just build Wakanda already. Jeff Bezos is gonna build his own city. Just wait for it. It's just gonna pop up somewhere on some big plot of land, and he's gonna call it City Amazon or City Bezos. He's gonna live in a tower. I think, you know what? Jeff Bezos might run for president. He might try to take over the world. His goal is not to make Amazon the biggest company ever. He's going to take over the world and he's going to do it all through getting you your little packages. You know, that book you want, mm, I'm going to take over the world book by book, item by item. I got to go work for Jeff Bezos. I got to figure out what he's doing over there because every time I read news articles, there's something new going on with Amazon. Um, but going on about uh, Coming to America too. If, if you guys don't know, this is the sequel to the famous 1988 movie with Eddie Murphy. I, I really enjoyed the movie. I'm going to watch Coming to America too. It looks like it's going to be available December 18th. Um, it's probably going to be, and it's going to be on Amazon Prime, which I believe most of America has Amazon Prime. I, be, I, I forget I have Amazon Prime sometimes, but most people have it. And I think what, I think the business strategy behind this is that if I if I buy bigger movies like this, I can drive more people to my streaming platform. Now, here's the question: like, why would Jeff Bezos want to drive more people to his streaming platform when he already makes a whole lot of money off you shopping? Well, guess where you gotta go to get to the streaming platform? You gotta go on the shopping website. It's a whole strategy to get you back on the platform that I make the most money on by making you go to another feature here. Because every company specializes in something, but when they start creating branches out, just like Amazon's you know, retail and merchandising, when they start branching out in other elements, it's all to get you back to their main element while attracting you a different way. Because consumers don't stay with people because of one reason, they stay for multiple. Like I don't just have Amazon Prime because I get two day shipping. No, you got Amazon Music, uh, I believe you get like Kindle, Amazon, you know, I think Kindle's attached with that too, or Audible, I'm sorry, excuse me. Audible's attached to that. Um, there's some other benefits as well. You, you know, you get some shows off of Amazon, they're, they're, they're um, video plan um, service or movie plan service or streaming service, excuse me. So th- there's multiple things keeping my Amazon Prime. I'm like, oh, I'll just keep it because it gives me all of this. And Another thing that I know is about Amazon's marketing is that they constantly send you emails saying, hey, don't forget about our music feature. Hey, don't forget about our video streaming feature. They're constantly trying to get you to interact with them, to drive attention and to drive you back to their service. It's great marketing, man. If you're into business or you're an entrepreneur and you're into marketing, they have it figured out. There's a reason why all of us have Amazon Prime. There's probably a reason on Prime Day he probably just made a boatload of money. There's a reason why I got two things sitting in, sitting in my room right now from Prime Day. I told myself I wasn't going to buy nothing. I was. Oh, I could use this. I could use that. Jeff Bezos taking over the world. 
I called it first. I called it first. I should make a bet at the casino right now on this. I called it first. Anyways, so just last thing I wanted to talk about here, guys, is I mentioned Ice Cube. So for those of you who don't know who Ice Cube is, the rapper, I pray you do. I pray you have some cultural relevance or idea if you're listening to this podcast. If you don't, I'm here to help. So Ice Cube is a famous rapper from L.A., uh, was, very, was very famous back in the day. Um, but he's been recently very outspoken about Black people voting and who we vote for. In, in a sense that making sure, and I, and I think the way I took it is that he's trying to make sure Black people are very aware of that. Don't just get caught up voting for a single party. Be very objective about which occupant or which um, candidate is going to do the most for the Black community. And it's not always the one that gives off the most favor you know, or gives the best image. Because we all know Joe Biden came out with a plan for Black Americans. He's been writing this, I'm going to really fight for Black Americans thing since he, since he entered the race. I mean, look at him. He, he got a Black woman on his campaign. Like, we, could, we see where he's going. We saw what he's trying to do. He's taking all the Black votes that Trump, never, that Trump can't take from him and saying, those are guaranteed. Plus, he's getting the people that have already offered Trump's side. And that actually brings me up to something else that I want to talk about here, too. But uh, we'll talk about it in a sec. Um, that's actually happening tonight. But the thing with Ice Cube, he actually, um, there, were, there were reports that he actually made a plan for Black America. Things that involved, you know, some systematic change, some social justice reform. And he actually sent it to the Democrats and Republicans. Now, I don't know how this happened. You know, when you're a famous actor that's been outspoken, people will talk to you because you're in the public eye because you can relay a positive image to others. So they paid attention to him. There were reports that when he sent it to the Democrats, they said, well, this is a great plan, but we'll look at it after the election. You know, after the election, we'll try to handle some of these things that you brought up. But when he brought it up to the Republicans and Donald Trump, um, it looks like that they were a little bit more willing to negotiate these right now and try to work some of these things into America more immediately. Um, so that came out, you know, that came out that, that that was on Twitter and that was on Instagram. And what happened here, and, I, and let me just make myself clear because, you know, some people were getting that, um, were getting it confused. Some people were calling him a coon and I just really didn't subscribe to that until I really looked it up. So this was his tweet about it. He said, facts. Um, I put out the CWBA. Um, that's probably the plan he was talking about. Both parties contacted me. Dems say we'll address the CWBA after election. Trump campaign made some adjustments to their plan after talking to us about the CWBA. And um, when that came out, even before that, I mean, he just got, he got ripped. He got ripped on Twitter. People were saying that, you know, he was a traitor. Because let's be honest, Donald Trump is not Black people's favorite person. Let's just be completely honest here. He's not their, he's not their favorite person. He's not their favorite. He's not their favorite anything. And, you know, I think it's Black people's, you know, for most African-Americans, personal mission is to get Trump out of president, get Trump out of office. But there was a part of this that I saw that 
really opened my eyes. And probably some people are going to give me heat about this too, but I really don't care. I saw a community that was unable to look at somebody who was trying to be objective. Now, Ice Cube never said he agreed to work with Republicans or voted for Republicans or voted for Trump. He never said anything like that. He never said he the contract was agreed upon with the Republicans. Never said anything like that. Nothing like that came out, at least to my knowledge. So with that, people still continued to kill him. I saw a man who was trying to figure out the best thing for his people and saying, I put this plan out for people. One party said, wait a minute, we'll talk about it later. And the other party responded. Now think about it like this. If you put an offer out to two companies to buy your product, right? And one company, even though this company has a better track record, has a little bit more bells and whistles, says, all right, sounds good. We'll talk to you in about a month about it. And the other company says, hmm, there's some decent things on it. Let's, let's go ahead and talk this over some more. And I think it's some things we can take from here and move forward. Which one are you going to go with? Usually. Probably going to go with the one that gave you the immediate response. And I think the Republicans kind of knew that. That was their best shot to kind of get this into play and try to get themselves some votes here. Or let's just be real. Maybe the Republicans see like, hey, there is a problem with the Black community and they have a different way of doing it. And maybe Ice Cube has some really great ideas. I've never seen the agreement. I've never seen the plan. So I don't know. I don't know what the Republicans say back to him. I'm spitballing here, people. What I'm saying here, I saw a community that's unable to be objective. Yeah, I could say that about the Black community because I'm Black. And even if I can't say that, I don't care. Like, that's the problem with this election year. I see so many people are unable to look at both sides. They're all so unable to be objective. Now, again, I have to explain myself. This doesn't mean I'm looking to vote for Trump. Again, just like Ice Cube, it doesn't mean he's on Trump's side. But I'm allowed to hear both ends of the argument, especially if one side's willing to listen more than the other right now. All right, I'll hear you out. But people are so caught up with emotion. We need to stop making business decisions and decisions that involve sound thinking with emotion. That's half of y'all problems. Y'all do everything off emotion or the first thing you see. So all these reactions off Twitter, and I can understand a lot of them from what information we had. And I thought the same thing at first too, but I looked at it from a different angle and it said, well, he, he's trying to see both angles here. You know, do I agree with him working with Republicans? Probably not. I think they're snakes, but I also think Democrats are snakes. But here's the fact though, black people have been voting for Democrats for years. And we honestly, there hasn't been really much change in the African-American community. So, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, what really are we losing by at least hearing them out? He didn't say yes. We don't have to say yes. I mean, we listen to Trump on the news all the time. Doesn't mean we agree with him. And, and, the, it, and it takes a rare person to be objective about a plan and seeing who actually can give you the better offer. Just because I like Adidas more than Nike, or just because, excuse me, let me say, let me be real here. Just because I like Nike more than Adidas doesn't mean if Adidas is offering me a shoe here, that's really good and actually the best shoe doesn't mean I'm gonna say no just because it's Adidas. I'll be dumb. That's stupid. That doesn't make any cognitive sense. But let me let me rewind. You guys don't think with sense. You think with your emotions. And that's the problem. If, if, in my personal opinion, if the black community is ever gonna close the gap or we're ever gonna find the right people to help us close 
the racial um, the racial wealth gap, you know, help our communities, all that. We got to be willing to work with whoever's willing to work with us. That's just the truth. We got to be able to got to be willing to work with us. Now, I still think that's Biden, at least for this election. But I think going forward, we have to be a little bit more objective. Now, I don't know what I don't know what the plan entailed. I don't know if the Republicans are offering anything reasonable. I don't know if the Democrats even said the ice cube like, look, we'll look at it after the election, but we'll do all of this. I don't know. Some spitball. And I'm not saying I agree with this move or not, but I think we need to look at it at both ends. You got to look at both angles. That's a problem with today. Everybody is thinking with emotion. Be objective. I know. I know that's hard for some of you. Don't worry. I'm not asking all of you, just the ones that have the capability. So just last thing here, guys. Uh, you're listening to this on Friday. So what would have happened by this point is the two simultaneously town halls between Trump and Biden, <laughs> because Donald Trump jumped, he dropped out of the debate, um, which, if you think about it, kind of smart because let's rewind a little bit and, and then I, like in the words of Kamala Harris I'm not going to hold you but I just want to make this last point before I'll let you guys go in the last two debates if you've been paying attention the vice presidential debate and the presidential debate if you looked at the numbers after those ended what did they do hmm for those of you who wasn't paying attention I'm gonna fill you in they didn't change it didn't help Trump it didn't help Pence. Reasons behind that, I think, is because both of them didn't really look good in the debates. And the other thing about it is that a lot of people already made up their minds and they don't, I don't think they have the capability or the leverage to change people's minds. So with that, why, me as Donald Trump, why would I put myself in another situation to go into a debate that's not going to help me? And I know it's not going to help me especially a virtual debate where I can't impose my will on Biden. I can't pressure Biden, which I think is his weak spot is his ability to handle pressure and to think on the fly. I can't impose that in a virtual debate, which is what was going to happen. So why would I do that? Why would I sign myself up for that? I'm, I'm setting myself up for a situation that's not going to help me, but a town hall, a town hall, I can control the atmosphere. I can almost control the questions because I control. I can control who's asking me the questions. They can. I can speak on things without someone responding back to me other than a regular, you know, not a politician, you know, someone who's unpolitical. I can get my opinions out without a Democrat coming against me and I can voice my opinion out um, without much resistance. Now that's a lot better for me because then without someone on the side of me or beside me, you know, breaking down my points or diminishing my points, I'm able to get them crossed through some of those undecided voters. Sean, that sounds crazy. No, it doesn't. Think about it. It's all mental warfare. And we're the pawns. We're the pawns. It's all warfare. And we're the pawns. We get played in the middle. You know, um, it, it, it's nuts. It's nuts. Just think about it. Just think about it. from Donald Trump's position, why would he do another debate? After Pence got basically, in people's opinion, he got beat by Kamala, even though I think that was kind of 50-50, but it wasn't a win for him. Donald Trump and Biden just looked ridiculous, but it was a win for Biden because it didn't help Trump. 
I know this isn't a political podcast, but I, I'm trying to get you guys to use your brains because I try to use mine at least once a day. And I try to really think past just the articles and the fancy headlines and the, the news and what people think and the emotion and really think deep about what is going on here. What is happening here? That's what the Provoking Conversation podcast is about. What is actually going on here? Because <laughs> it's not what it looks like. Okay? It's really not. It's never what it looks like. All right. Uh, guys, thanks again for listening. I appreciate you guys. I pray that you're safe. I pray that you're wearing your mask because the corona is here. It's still here. Um, cases in Europe are actually going up. Cases here are still going up. So, guys, just keep yourself safe, protected. Take care of your families. Um, again, download some, download us on Spotify. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I got like two. I got like five reviews. I'm like twenty of you listen to this. Come on, guys. That's slacking. That's slacking. Slacking. So, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. If no one told you today, like I always say, keep talking.